and welcome back to the Oscar Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Phillipson, and we are now going into our fifth year for the Oscar nominated films. And for this year, I have my co-host to help break down all five nominations, starting with the first two for the 1983 Oscars. And that is the woman beside me who is out of space, just like E.T., our friend Andrew Tennis. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I also have ninja-like skills, too. That's just right. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. did, did one of these other characters have ninja-like skills, or is, is that just your own thing? I just wanted to add that. <laughs> I appreciate that, yeah. And when I said out of the space, uh, we're an intro. I meant to say out of this world. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it would have made more sense. But there you go. Out of space with ninja skills. That's what you're known for around the podcast industry. But we're here to discuss two films. We're here to finally start watching some good Oscar-nominated films. Yeah, I'm really hyped for this season. Um, all of these movies look great. There's not one that I'm dreading on having to spend two hours watching. So yeah, I'm super pumped about this. That's another good point. All these movies are pretty long. There is no hour-and-a-half movie, which is... You know, the length me and Andrea prefer. We like to have shorter movies. But four of these are all about two hours long. And one of them is three hours long. Definitely got some length to these. Forgot about that one. But yeah. 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 But we're not worried about it. We don't mind the length because I think these all look like they're going to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the two that we watched for the last few days was the well-known Steven Spielberg Family Adventure, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and, of course, the Dustin Hoffman-led Tootsie. Mm-hmm. I've seen E.T. before. I grew up with it because I had a good childhood. But Andrea, someone that had a horrible <laughs> childhood, uh, what was your thoughts watching E.T. for the first time? Shout out to my mom. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she was one of her only five listeners. Now we're down to four. Yeah, just keep kicking him to the curb. Yeah. Uh, what did I think of it? Honestly, I don't know what took me so long to watch this. Honestly, I guess in my head I just thought it wouldn't be that good. Uh, but I, I was wrong. I really liked it. I really connected with it. It made me tear up. I got super attached to E.T. He was cute for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, no, I just I just loved it. I love that he had a, the bond with Elliot as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen E.T. quite a few times as a kid, and I never really loved it. I always thought it was fine. Probably if I had a Litterbox account when I was 12, I would give it a 3 out of 5. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was not a huge fan of it back in the day. I thought I thought it was fun. I had a good time with it. The way you talked about it, I thought you were going to give it, like, a two. <laughs> no, like, I still liked it, but it was definitely not one of my favorite family films. Definitely not one of my favorite Spielberg films. I remember going into this, I told Andrea, hey, Andrea, heads up about E.T. It's good, but for a Spielberg film, it's his worst. Like, it's Spielberg at his worst here for his films. But uh, I take that back. This is definitely not his worst. It's definitely... Mm-hmm. Not one of his best. I love a lot of his movies, but it is really good. And honestly, uh, worthy of the Best Picture nomination. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. Some of the stuff they did in this film I thought was really cool. I finally got to see the famous uh, bike scene where Elliot's riding with E.T. over, like, well, beside the moon, which is really cool. Yeah, so... To break down the nominations it got, it was nominated for cinematography and didn't win. It was nominated for directing and didn't win. It was nominated for editing and for original screenplay. It didn't win either of those as well. But the ones it did win, it did come out with quite a few here. Oh, good. It won for score. Yeah, which was really good. Yeah, yeah. It won for sound. It won for sound effects, which I don't think this is a normal award. Sound effects. I think maybe they just thought, wow, the sound effects are really good here. Maybe we should start acknowledging it for a few years. But it it was not a thing from the last four Oscar years we've discussed. And it is not a thing now. So it must have just been for like a short period of time when they started realizing that they were important for that period. And then it also went for visual effects. Yes. Which uh, makes sense. It won, it, this was the film that walked with the technical awards, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, from what I've seen so far, it's well-deserved. Like I said, things were laid out really nicely. And the sound effects were bomb. Yeah, so before we get into the actual story, I will say <laughs> the score for this film is incredible. This does not feel like some normal film family film score they're normally the same generic happy music generic sad music during the sad ending oh but now it's happy because it's always got to have its happy ending like it's got the same formulaic story with the same formulaic score but this score really feels like you're watching a new indiana jones movie for kids like it's very epic and awesome and i remember watching it and when the bike is lifted off (laughs) of the ground and the score starts swelling up. It's exciting. I was loving it. So the score might be my favorite part of the film. It's it's spectacular. Yeah, no, I agree. This is one of the films I actually remember the score from. A lot of times when we do the podcast, I don't remember the score, but when it's as epic as this one was, yeah, it deserves to be acknowledged. Yeah, it was great. Mm. Really loved it. It might have been one of my favorite scores we've listened to during the Oscar Rewind of all (laughs) 10 years, except for Social Network. I prefer that score. But aside from that, this is probably my second favorite score of all the movies. That is fair, I guess. (laughs) If you uh, hate E.T. Wow. I put it as my second favorite score, and I'm slandering E.T.'s name. Basically. Or yeah. the Fox. Yeah, yeah, the 12-year-old Quentin was here. He'd be slandering it. Whoa. Yeah, he'd be like, eh, some dumb alien hanging out with some kids. Uh, I've seen cooler aliens and men in black. That'd be that'd be a 12-year-old Quentin. I'm glad you don't have that voice anymore. Would you not date a guy with that voice? <laughs> no, absolutely not. That was literally awful. Wow, that's really <laughs> My <hard>. ears hurt. <laughs> Good thing I hit puberty then. Thank God. But we can go through the story here. I'm sure most people have seen this film because their family likes them, except for Andrea. But, <laughs> wow. but, uh, someone shaded my mom in this podcast. Uh, she's already unsubscribed, so we don't need to worry about her listening. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But for those that haven't seen it or just want to reminisce from the film, the movie's about this little alien 
who we eventually call E.T. His family is that the mothership flies off and leaves him behind. And he is now stuck on Earth, needing to find a way to communicate back home for the ship to come down and pick him up. And so it's him meeting up with, I believe the lead's name is Elliot. The two of them first meet up in the very iconic shed scene which happens on like the 10 minute mark. It happens very early. I thought this was more like a 30 minute moment. Like I thought this was very deep into the film mm -hmm. where they meet up, but they meet up right away. Uh, the shed scene's great where they throw the ball in and he throws it back out and then they meet up in the hay, which is like this very, it's probably the most horror-like moment of the film. It's a pretty creepy moment. And then I think another iconic moment where they finally meet up is him sprinkling the Reese's pieces up oh. to his bedroom all the cool shots of E.T.'s hand reaching for the candy and it's about the two of them slowly becoming friends yeah that's probably that was probably the overall best part for me was just the relationship that they form it felt real it felt genuine this poor kid his dad had just ran off with another lady and you know like i think he was feeling a little neglected he was also the middle child and yeah he just forms this bond with et and it's just so heartwarming it makes you feel like really good when you're watching it yeah and what i also really liked about the film is it's a lot about just loving your siblings because the beginning of the film you can tell the three siblings they're not really the best of friends, especially the two brothers. They like to pick on each other. Just like, you know, classic brother love. I believe Elliot calls his older brother penis breath once. <laughs> that was my favorite, like, ever. I loved whenever he called him penis breath. I was like, okay. It was definitely the funniest moment of the film. Because <laughs> it's just such a brother thing to say that yeah. just makes no sense. It's hilarious. But I do love how E.T., is kind of like this father figure because their father ran away from the three of them. And so the three, mm -hmm. the three kids find a way to bond together by all loving this alien that they have to look after. So it's a very cute film. Mm -hmm. The three of them end up becoming super close friends mm -hmm. where they start working together to get E.T. back home. Uh, yeah, just overall a very fun film. I really liked it. And you also get to see baby Drew Barrymore, which was a great she uh, really brought the cuteness. And honestly, she was funny too. They had her say some cute little funny things. And I don't know, I thought it really helped the film. Another one of my favorite parts is whenever she dresses E.T. up as a little girl or a woman, whatever you want to call E.T. But that was really fun. And then Elliot comes home and he's like, what have you done to E.T.? Like he was like, why would you do that to him? It was great. My favorite Barrymore scene is when she's trying to show E.T. to her mom. Her mom's too busy cleaning after E.T.'s mess on the floor and on the phone oh. that she doesn't see E.T. I think that's hilarious because she's like, oh, look, look, it's talking. And she's like pointing to E.T., which is in the same direction yeah. of the TV. And so the mom is like, yes, yes, that's right, Barrymore. The TV is talking. Good job. Like she's just <laughs> not paying attention to the alien right beside it. Oh, it was so funny. Yeah, very funny. Cute. A lot of fun situations. Yeah. And so the big storyline that starts to involve is the government is on to E.T. They are aware that there is an extraterrestrial on this in this town. Mm -hmm. And they find E.T. and they capture him in this house. And E.T. is slowly dying. Him and Elliot 
have formed such a close bond yeah. that they are kind of one and the same. They feel what each other feels, which is quite interesting. And I was going to say, the first time you see that they're feeling the same thing is whenever E.T. gets in the fridge when no one's home and he starts, like, guzzling down beers. And then you just see Elliot in class and he's acting all drunk and everything. And that's that was really interesting the first time I actually saw they were connected that way because then he just repeated everything that E.T. was doing but in the classroom and it got him sent to the principal's office. Yeah, imagine if we could do that, if me and you could feel what each other was feeling. <laughs> oh, God. That'd be um, insane. Yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like at work right now and I'm like, is Andrea like getting beaten up right now? What's going on? I give you a call. I'm like, hey, Andrea, what's going on? And you're like, I just lost another game of Fortnite. I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I could tell what you're doing. That'd be good. <laughs> I lose it. Yeah. Yeah. They are caught by the government and the alien ends up giving up his part. Like, they're, they're Elliot and E.T. are both slowly dying while they're doing all these experiments, the government, on E.T. Mm -hmm. And so E.T. gives up his life force to Elliot so Elliot can survive. And so this is really the big emotional climactic moment where E.T. is essentially dead. And they kind of pack him up, throw him in a big freezer, and they go, toodaloo, alien. All right, kid, you can say you're... <laughs> your goodbyes before we take him off and dissect him like a frog. But uh, we'll see you guys later. And, and I absolutely, like, I didn't lose it, but I was really upset because I was really confused because I was like, no, he's supposed to get to go home. Like, he literally died? Like, what happened? But then I was like, but there's like 18 minutes left at this point. So I was like, no, this can't be the end. <laughs> yeah, that no, was really funny because Andrea... <laughs> has never seen this movie before. So she was like tearing up a little bit. And she's like, wait, Quentin, E.T. actually dies? I, I didn't think he was going to die. I thought he was going to make it. And I like to throw people off. So I told Andrea. All the time. Yeah, so I was like, well, yeah, he dies. But like, I didn't know it was this early in the film. I thought he died in the last five minutes. I'm a smart cookie. Yeah, and I was like, no, 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 no. Something's going to happen here. And then that leads into my, one of my favorite, another favorite part of mine. I feel like I have a lot of favorite parts in this movie. I really love this movie. And it is whenever, so whenever E.T. dies, you see the plant die that he's been carrying around. And then, and then slowly you see this plant start to come back to life. And you realize E.T. isn't dead. Oh, it's just such a good moment. I really enjoyed the visuals for that. Yeah, I thought the using the flowers to symbolize him dying and him coming back to life was pretty fun. It was a cool visual, uh, one that was very simple for even kids to understand. Like it was not a hidden message, very mm -hmm. in your face, but just a cool concept to show it. I liked it. And so E.T. is alive. They go back on the bikes. And like we already said, to escape all the bad guys who's got them all cornered, it was really cool because then the score starts building up. They start biking and they're cornered. And Angela looks at me and she goes, oh, they're going to fly again, aren't they? And I was <laughs> like, baby, yes, they are. I already knew yeah. that they're getting ready to fly. But my favorite part about that is that these are all the brothers' friends that really don't like Elliot. And the very first thing you kind of see them being just as mean to him as his brothers being to him, kind of just picking on him. But then at the end, whenever they're all on their bikes 
and Elliot's brother brothers like let's go it was great they all just like came together yeah and then they fly whenever they're all cornered I loved it yeah uh actually I didn't really like that I didn't like how the bullies that were such an asshole to yeah. Elliot got to have the cool experience of flying <laughs> on their bikes and then they got to see E.T. and the spaceship fly off like wh what had these asswipes get this cool experience. They didn't deserve it. Uh, it would have been cool mm. if they were flying in the air and then E.T. looks back and he's like, Elliot, are these the assholes? And Elliot's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're kind of bullying me. They, they don't really like me. Mm. And E.T. just like snaps his fingers and the three bullies just fall from their <laughs> fall to their deaths on their bikes. That'd be pretty cool. Um, Since it's a children's show, I don't think so. But like... It's a kid's movie, so you, it would show them falling, and then it'd be like a goofy, like, wah, wah, kind of noise of, like, uh-oh, bullies just fell, that's funny, and then just keep going. Uh, I think it could have worked. I would have liked maybe, that. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe have, like, a whoopee cushion noise when, like, they hit the floor, like, <laughs> done. I think it could have worked. But anyways, we get to the ending where E.T. is... Finally at the spaceship, he's finally free. They did it. Mm -hmm. And so he says his goodbye to the three kids. Drew Barrymore gives him the flowers. Uh, the older brother kind of just like gives him a knuckle sandwich. Like, ah, oh, classic E.T. Kind of rubs the top of his head. Like, keep it up, man. I'm going to go chug a few beers now. Bye, man. Like, you know, Aww. older douche brother stuff. And then Elliot has this cute moment. Uh, you said you teared up a few times. This was the only time where it got me where... Another thing we didn't discuss was E.T. has the ability to heal things. So whenever he sees somebody bleeding or something, he always goes, ouch, and then points at it and heals them. And then at the ending, Elliot points at his heart and goes, ouch, and Elliot point and then E.T. points at his heart and also goes, ouch. And I thought that was a very cute moment. Aww. Yeah, no, I love that. That reminded me of uh, when they're in their Halloween costumes yeah. and the brother, he has like an ax through his head. And E.T. keeps trying to heal it. I totally forgot all about that. Yeah, healing the axe. That's hilarious. I was gut. And then I was going to say, yeah. And then at the end, whenever Drew, Drew bleh, I cannot talk. Whenever Drew Barrymore sang by, he says, be good. It was so cute. Just good advice, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Pretty smart for an alien. You should have just told everybody that. Be good. <laughs> Easy peasy. You should have told the three bullies that. You be good, Elliot. Uh, so funny. I'll come back and drop you. But yeah, there we go. E.T. flew off, and that's the story of E.T. Uh, I can't believe it. You've never seen this classic before. No, no. And yeah, I've definitely been missing out on some good films. It was definitely worth the watch, and I'm glad I finally, I guess, had a reason to watch it, even though I could have watched it for a while, because I think you've added that to your film collection probably like over eight like maybe not over a year ago, but you've had it for a while. It's been since the summer, so it's been about eight months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've owned it on Blu-ray for almost a year now, and I've told Andrew, I was like, Andrew, I, I think you'd like this. I think we should watch it sometime. And she's always like, no. Mm -mm. I don't know. I guess I just thought it was going to be way more like sci-fi. Yeah. And sometimes I just don't lean towards to be those fair, kind of movies. To be fair, if you hear family alien movie, you would think it's kind of sci-fi. I get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was not what I thought at all. I was just so much more connected to it than I thought I would have ended up at the end of the film. That's fair, and especially if you know Steven Spielberg's films, 
I love Jurassic Park, but it's a very dinosaur-heavy mm -hmm. movie. I love Jaws, but it's a very shark, water-infested movie. I really like Raise the Lost Ark, but it's very Western adventure flick. Oh, yeah. And I so, don't like that one. But so E.T., like you would hear E.T. and you go, oh, it's going to be a very alien-heavy movie. But it's a more family-heavy movie. Yeah. It, it really is. And I, I like I like Jaws, but I don't know. I'm very in the middle for, uh, for Spielberg. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. I'm very high on Spielberg. I think I have three of his movies as a five-star. Mm -hmm. And then... One of them has a 4.5, so I like a lot of his films. Fair, fair. So that is E.T. Anything else you want to discuss before we can move on to Tootsie? What was your favorite scene, if we haven't already discussed it? Oh, God. I feel like, I, like I said, I just liked so many different parts. I'm trying to think if there is one we didn't, didn't actually talk about. There's not one that I can think of, but... Well, even though we've discussed, which one is your favorite? I'm just curious. What which one is my favorite? overall favorite? Um, I don't know. I really like this scene. I like this scene at the very end, whenever uh, they were all saying bye. Yeah, it that's was a sad, and it really got to me. Yeah, that would probably be my favorite. Yeah, I think my two favorite, one of them being yours, where mm -hmm. he says goodbye to Elliot when they point to each other's hearts and say "ouch." That's the most emotional moment of the film. Probably the one time I shed a few tears. Yeah. It's really well done because of their relationship and the whole story of him having the ability to heal people by saying, ouch, the two of them really work towards that moment being great. Uh, and the other scene is just an amazing shot. I love when he's throwing the ball into the shed. Mm -hmm. I think the, the mist that's coming out of the shed, the light... Uh, I think that entire shot is just really cool. And it's the first time that they interact together. So I always thought it was really powerful. Uh, when I was a kid, that was my favorite scene. I loved, I just loved how he threw that ball into the shed. I just thought it was really cool. So maybe it's not as epic anymore, but uh, every time I see it, I just remember when I was a kid and I thought it was so freaky. I loved it. So I like that scene as well. So what is your least favorite part of the film or least favorite hmm. scene? Probably like we kind of already said it, but at the very end, whenever his brother's having a slumber party with the other boys and they're just kind of being mean to him and not letting him play the game. And that's when he decides to go out and uh, he hears the noise. He hears E.T. in the garage. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, they're being dicks, but I still thought that was fun to show him and his brother's yeah. relationship. For me... The one thing that's holding this movie back is uh, the the government thing. I, oh, yeah. I feel like they could have cut part of it or the entire thing. E.T. looked like he was dying before the government came, right? Yeah. Could they not have just done that entire scene where E.T. gives up his life so Elliot survives because Elliot was also dying before the government came? Like The government really felt unnecessary. It really felt like the government was needed to have that in insane chase scene where they're all running away from them on the bikes like it's a very cool scene but it could have also just been the parents realizing that the alien is there and them wanting to take the alien away from the kids right so maybe they didn't need the government um i guess it made more sense to have a bad guy being the government is anti-aliens that's the bad guy but i thought 
there was enough going on without the government being involved that it almost went a little too sci-fi for a bit with the government. It was fine. It didn't ruin the film for me, but it was like the least exciting part. Yeah, that is kind of where it did go the most sci-fi. That, that reminds me. So when the mom does find out about E.T., she runs all the kids downstairs and opens the front door just to get away from. And then you see all these really weird shots of the government coming in spacesuits. It's not just one, but then, like, they're all over the place in different, like, areas. Like, when there's one behind the bush. There's one at the door. And then they're going upstairs until they finally get to him. But they showed a lot of that, like, I don't know if you'd call it a collage or a montage or whatever. But, like, they're just literally everywhere. It's weird. I still like, I, I still love the film, so it doesn't ruin anything. But yeah, definitely the weirdest part of the movie. Mm -hmm. All right, so we can move on to Tootsie here, Andrea. And so Tootsie did not win as many awards, but it definitely got more nominations. So mm -hmm. it was nominated for lead actor, supporting actress, cinematography, directing, editing, song, sound, and screenplay, and it won supporting actress Woo! so only got one win under its belt but there we go we have tootsie what was your thoughts on that film andrea this was a first watch for both of us this time so whenever i watched it the first thing i thought of was mrs doubtfire uh i at first i didn't realize that dustin hoffman was the lead dressed up as a woman it, it blew my mind <laughs> And then when I realized that, that's when I did the comparison to Mrs. D Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, it, it was good. I really did enjoy it more than I thought I would. I wasn't really sure how I'd feel about it. But who can really say no to Dustin Hoffman, especially in his youth? He was great. He's still great. Heck, I even like him in Meet the Fockers, and no one likes that movie. Buzz me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, overall, it was good. I also loved uh, Bill Murray as well. He was a fun uh, roommate. He, I think he added a lot to the story as well. And the lead actress, which you said she got supporting actress, or what did she get? There was a supporting actress win. What was it for the, the actress in the, the, the main one in the film? So there is two supporting actress nominations for Jessica Lange and for Terry Garr. So it was. So and Jessica Lane was the main female in it. I'm sure they found some kind of loophole about her supporting actress because I thought they probably had a big, better chance, which they obviously did. Uh, she was amazing. I loved her. She was probably, uh, well, yeah, I just loved her. <laughs> yeah, and she was the one that uh, she was the one that walked away with the win, the the, the lead female of the two, and. You could say she is lead. I think supporting seems pretty fair. The film is clearly about Tootsie, about Dustin Hoffman. Which I kept saying was funny if he got nominated for lead actress since he was literally just dressing in drag. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would have been quite a controversial nomination. I would have supported it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think uh, the Academy already gets a lot of hate for being very men-focused, right? A lot of directing nominations. I don't think any females were nominated for directing this year. I could be wrong. Oof. Um, I, I, that's just a guess because I think most of them are male-nominated. Great. Uh, just checking right now. Um, okay, I believe Tootsie 
Sydney Pollock. I believe that's a female. So I think it has one female. Nope, it's a guy. Okay, all guys. I tried. All guys. Yeah, Just see. kidding. So even, <laughs> yeah, got five male director nominations. I'm sure if we looked at screenplay, it would be mostly men. You know, the Academy gets a lot of things like that. Like 2020 was the first year that two females were nominated for directing. And that was the first time ever. So it's normally one or none for female directors for nominating. So um, I'm okay with Dustin Hoffman not getting lead actress. It would have been funny <laughs> for like two seconds. And then people would have been mad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Dustin Hoffman won lead actress for a year, that, that would have been brutal. That been, Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would have been something. Uh, he'd even win lead actor. Wow. I really do think he's fantastic. Dustin Hoffman in this film is the reason why this film is so great. Uh, we are just making fun of Andrew's childhood for E.T., but we can make fun of mine. I've never seen Miss Doubtfire, so I don't know too much about how different it compares to that film, but for me, Tootsie was very original, very mm -hmm. exciting, and just a fun story. Like you said, I thought Bill Murray was a fantastic side character. I kind of would like to see him nominated for supporting actor. Yeah. Like, I thought he was just, he was perfect for what his role was, which was the roommate to help out Dustin Hoffman mm -hmm. with this crazy scheme he has. Because for those that haven't seen Tootsie, which is more forgivable than E.T., this isn't as mm -hmm. much of a classic, but a high recommend on my end. Tootsie is about Same. this guy, Dustin Hoffman, who is not having success in acting. He is not doing well in New York. He's been told that even if he goes to Hollywood, they all know his name as somebody to not cast in their films because he is very controversial. If he ends up ever getting casted for a movie or play, he always tends to fight with the director. He causes a lot of chaos. He's not fun to work with because he always questions, oh, why, am I, why do you want me to walk downstage on this scene? That doesn't make sense for my character. Like he always picks fights for what he believes in instead of just listens and takes part yeah. in what the director wants. And Dustin Hoffman says, well, I can change. I, I can change how I'm supposed to be doing this. And they go, no, it's, it's too late for that. So your name, your reputation, your name, it's, it's ruined. It's tarnished. You'll never have a chance again. And so he realizes, hey, I've been helping my friend Sandy, who was fantastic as well in this film. I believe Terry Gar is her name. She was yep. great. Uh, and so he was helping Sandy get some roles. And when he was playing lines back to her on how to be a strong, empowering woman, she, even Sandy was like, wow, <laughs> you're doing this better than I am. You're, you're killing it. Yeah. And he kind of gets this idea, huh, maybe my personality doesn't work for male roles. And so he puts on some drag, plays his character, and starts and gets hired into this very successful soap opera show or soap opera-esque at least yeah. where he is going to be this strong empowering woman who is beloved by his peers the director and of course the audience and so this is his big shot he was only doing it to get some money but it eventually becomes who he is his identity in this film yeah and not only that but one of the lead actresses within the soap opera as well he ends up befriending and even though he is a woman like dressed up as a woman he ends up kind of falling in love with her uh being a woman but you know she just sees him as having a super close friendship like 
like uh, her mother passed away when she was really young. So like kind of like mother and daughter relationship, which was a really interesting aspect, but we all knew it was going to put him um, in a sticky position. Yeah. Uh, it ends up becoming a very much like a giant complex love <laughs> quadrat uh, love triangle of some mm -hmm. sort where he wants to progress his relationship with Jessica Lange's character. Jessica Lange's father wants to pursue a relationship with Dustin Hoffman because yeah. he believes that she's Jessica's new mother figure in the show and mm -hmm. could maybe be this interest for him. And so Dustin Hoffman is really trying to balance that while also having a relationship with Sandy. And so it's all of these relationships. It's this wild ride. It's very fun. Uh, the screenplay is fantastic. Um, obviously, it doesn't win, as we've already discussed. Yeah. But I'm curious as to what beats it, because this screenplay is really fun. It's a really fun movie. It's fun. It's comical. It has the awkward situations arising in it. Yeah, I think it's definitely a couple, like, I just feel like it would turn a lot of heads just to watch it. Yeah, and I, my favorite part about the film, and I wish they kept going throughout the film, but it was more of a focus in the first half, which was female representation in the film industry. Mm -hmm. As we've already discussed, no females were nominated for director, we could check, but I'm sure it's very few were nominated for screenplay. Probably. I don't think, obviously, female representation has always been an issue for film. And this movie literally pinpoints the issue where when Dustin Hoffman's himself, people take him seriously. They think he's annoying, but they always address his concerns. And when he starts playing this female character, they always brush it aside. Like, oh, oh, oh. Like, they always talk over him. They always kind of brush him aside. They don't even give him a chance, him or her, a chance to audition. <laughs> Because he's not sexy enough for the role. Yeah. He looks too old and ugly to play the female character that they wanted. And so Dustin Hoffman, who's a very vocal person, as we've already said, that's why he's having issues getting hired. Mm -hmm. He snaps and he goes, what, because I'm not this quote unquote attractive screen presence, you're not giving me like a fair shot. Like that's not an issue for men. Men, you would just give a chance. But because you, you first go for looks and not for talent when it comes to mm -hmm. females. And so he kind of forces their hand to give him a chance. He blows them away. He gets the role. And then he starts addressing concerns with the script where he's supposed to be a powerful character, but they still want him to kiss the annoying asshole in the, in the storyline. And he's like, well, why am I kissing this person? And they're like, oh, hush, 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 hush. Like, Dustin, shut up. Uh, stick to the script. Like, they literally brush over him. And Dustin Hoffman literally has to, like, hit the person with a binder, have to do all these crazy things to get people's attention. And it is a very important statement about how females are represented. And, yeah. of course, that's why he becomes such a big hit. Yeah. Because the females are so admired by a they character love, representing them. They literally love him. I, the network, like, increases in, like, people want, and, like, in viewers. They're getting tons of letters for Dorothy and it turns out really really well even though Dorothy is still opinionated because she still has Hoffman's characteristics underneath but it works yeah I wish this was a thing that they kept going on for the second half the second half yeah. becomes more of the love triangle storyline mm -hmm. which is very fun and interesting I had a good time with it but I still kind of wished that was 
something that they addressed because it was crazy and it was very fun that they addressed the females representation in film and i just thought it was really fun for the first half they of course brought it up near the end when he wants to reveal himself and then it's this big moral obligation where he he personally wants to be himself you know it doesn't happen why maybe not dress up as a woman every day of your life he wants to pursue his own passions and not just be stuck in this female role yeah but he knows that he's this figurehead for female representation and everybody loves him because he's representing them. And mm -hmm. if he reveals that he's a guy, that would shatter their expectations. So it is mm -hmm. a bit of a moral high ground near the end of the film, but uh, probably my only issue with the film. I wish they addressed it more, but overall a very fun movie. Yeah, and then, you know, we talked about how it ended Clearly, he reveals himself. Jessica Lane sees uh, that it was a man the entire time. That was Dorothy that she's getting super close to. And then they kind of have a little bit of a falling out. But then at the very end, you know, he does the whole thing where he, you know, goes up to her. And then, I don't know, at the end, he like puts, I think he puts his arm around her. And it kind of looks like they're going to end up working it out. I kind of wish it hadn't ended like that, but, you know, it wasn't, I guess, the worst way to end it. Yeah, I'm a big Hoffman stan. I, I, I love that guy. I think The Graduate is a fantastic film. I think he's a fantastic actor. Um, but I don't want to see him fucking happy at the end. I don't want to see him get with Lang at the end after what happened. I do think that's probably my least favorite part yeah. is this ambiguity at the end of, Maybe it'll work out. Gosh darn it, I don't want it to work out. I, I love Hoffman, I love Lang, but the path that this was going where he used the female character that he was presenting himself as a way to get in with Lang. He was trying yeah. to get information as to what she likes in a man and he tries to implement that as a man. And it, I, I don't it like work, it. It doesn't work at all. It's, it Good, it does shouldn't. not work. And she throws a drink in his face at that Good. point. Good, she should have thrown two. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Yeah, I don't love that, ooh, he gets with Lang, possibly. Um, it's fine. I don't hate it, but it was definitely not the route I would have taken with the script. Uh, you could definitely tell a guy directed it, because, yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, the guy's like, oh, he could get the girl. Oh, yeah, he's gonna get the girl at the end, yeah. Yeah, so it's fine. Uh, it's, it's fine for what it is. Yeah, the ending might be... Not as exciting as the E.T. ending. I feel like no. if we're going to say what our favorite parts are right now, Andrew, I doubt either of us are going to say, oh, the ending. I really liked the ending. <laughs> no, no. The ending is not even close. So what's your favorite uh, scene from the film? Hmm. I don't know. I re we kind of already talked about it, but I like the scene where Dorothy is supposed to kiss the doctor that kisses all the other nurses. And then she kind of changes the script and she hits him over the head with the newspaper. And like we said, it shows women empowerment. Like, you know, you're just not going to sexualize me for your TV show. I, I loved it. Yeah, that would probably be one of my favorite parts. Yeah, that's a great scene. But for sure, my favorite scene is when Dustin Hoffman and Bill Murray are in the apartment. Actually, Bill Murray enters the apartment to see Dustin Hoffman in the arms of the guy that you were just talking about, the creep that she works with. 
And so he makes some jokes like, oh, well, good thing I came here. I don't know what you're about to do there, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Cracking some jokes that Duff, Dustin Hoffman's now in a relationship with a man. And then my favorite part is then Sandy tries to enter the apartment. And Dustin Hoffman is throwing off the, his outfit. He's trying to take the wig off, take the dress off. He's quickly trying to go back into his normal clothes. Bill Murray is trying to stay in the, in the kitchen between the two and calm the situation. He's like, "Oh, uh, stay out there, Sandy. Dustin's just uh, taking a shower." Like he's like, and he's like turning on the faucet and the sink in the kitchen, trying to like pretend mm. that there's a shower. He's like putting his hand inside, pretending someone's in a shower. Just a uh, really comedic goal. I thought it was very fun. Definitely my favorite. I thought that was Bill Murray's peak. I thought Sandy and Dustin were really fun. Uh, I well, thought. I thought it was really good just because Bill Murray really had Dustin Hoffman's back in that scene. Yeah, it was He great. was sitting there cleaning it up because in my head I was thinking like, oh my God, I hope he grabs the wig off the table. She's going to see the wig. Something's going to happen. Yeah. But no, they ended up cleaning everything up super fast. Yeah, if you look at Bill Murray, he's yeah. doing everything flawlessly. He takes yeah. the wig and he throws it somewhere. He takes the earrings and puts it in the salt in the, in the sugar bowl. Like He's hiding everything in the kitchen. It's so much fun. Uh, and I also think that's a fun Bill Murray scene because mm-hmm. the beginning of the scene, he's cracking jokes at Dustin Hoffman for doing this. He's like, unbelievably dressed like a woman. You got a guy in your arms up here, like ridiculous. And then the second someone is about to come and expose him, he's there to defend his friend for mm-hmm. whatever he's doing. He doesn't necessarily love that he's doing this, but uh, you bet he's got his back. And I just think that's a fun, small moment for a character that's not in it that much. So I like it. It was a good scene. Uh, do you have a least favorite? Uh, I guess we're both going to go with the ending here. Ah, uh, well, no, I actually thought of two different ones. There are a couple little things that, like, I, I know they were doing it for the LOLs, for the laughs, whatever. But the one was having Sandy's father, like, after not knowing Dorothy for that long, taking Dorothy out to eat and proposing. I thought that was a little over the top. I don't know. Like, he's only really known her for, like, a short period of time and then just, like, propose. And then the other scene... In in fairness, uh, in fairness, the guy's pretty old. The guy's probably like, hey, this is my last shot at getting... (laughs) Yeah, getting some girl's pussy. Like, let's do this. I I got this ring that's collecting dust. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I just felt even so much worse for him at that point, too. You do feel really bad for him. You get a a lot of secondhand embarrassment for these people. You really... I I always get that. I had to turn away a couple times. And the other one was where the freaking doctor is like trying to like meet up with Dorothy and he's outside her apartment like singing opera to like let him in why like why didn't Dustin Hoffman just call the police like yeah we just ignored it it was so awkward and weird all the neighbors were looking out the windows they were pissed I I, yeah but then I guess it also led into another funny scene where Bill Murray walks in on them like he's like the doctor's clearly just trying to take advantage of Hoffman (laughs) yeah the doc yeah the doctor guy well to clarify you keep saying doctor he plays a doctor in the soap opera Mm -hmm. Uh, he's he's an actor that he works with Mm -hmm. for the soap opera but yeah when he goes up there yeah, I don't necessarily love it, but uh, I do give a pass to the uh, singing on the streets and the secondhand embarrassment from that guy <laughs> just to get to the Bill Murray jokes and <laughs> that scene. It builds up to a good yeah. scene, so uh, i totally fine with it. Yeah. Like, I get, I get why they kept these scenes in, because uh, they just added, like, 
than a funnier element to it. But there, yeah, there was a lot of secondhand embarrassment. Yes. Uh, if you don't like getting secondhand embarrassment <laughs> from films. Don't watch this. Yeah, don't watch this movie. <laughs> but it's very fun. Now, I haven't seen Miss Doubtfire, but Andrew, of the two, which one do you think was better? I'm just curious as to which one handled this kind uh, of storyline better. I love Mrs. Doubtfire, so I'm probably still going to go with Mrs. Doubtfire. Tootsie, it was great as well. I just also, and I love both the actors too. You have Robin Williams, and then you have Dustin Hoffman. It's hard to pick between those two That's guys. That's true. That is a good point. I Honestly, it makes me want to watch Mrs. Doubtfire. I've never had any intention of watching it. It's never really interested me. And I love Robin Williams, but I always just thought, eh, sounds corny. But uh, Tootsie sounded corny, and I had a great time. So I should definitely check it out. Uh, do you think Miss Doubtfire should have been nominated for uh, Best Picture for whatever year it came out? They, they did E.T., I, the Oscars-like I mean, family films. Maybe. I think it could have been tossed out there at least. But I also don't know what was up for nominations that year. Yeah, you don't know that year. But uh, honestly, these two nominations, and I guess we'll get to the other three, but these two in particular feel very non-Oscar films. Mm -hmm. They really do. I did literally get like no Oscar vibes from either of these films. That's why I was surprised we got these two. Yeah, like the verdict, which we'll discuss later, makes sense. Yes. Twelve Angry Men, Anatomy of a Murder, Trial of the Chicago Seven. Like they yeah. like they love courtroom movies. They do. That makes sense. Gandhi. It's a biopic about a very yeah. well-known person. Make, makes complete sense. That one seemed like a no-brainer to win. Um, Oof, of course. Seems like a total Oscar movie. And then missing, it just seems like a, a, an emotional drama, uh, yeah. less less Oscary than Verdict and Gandhi, but still more in the field of what they tend to go for. Yeah. But E.T. E.T. a family film that how seems many, crazy. It makes me wonder how many family films have ever like ever got Best Picture nominees. Yeah, we'll we'll eventually start seeing it. Obviously, when we go through them, but. Of all, every year we've done so far, this is five years now. The first one. This is the first yeah. one. Not a single one from the 2010 Oscars. No. Nope. And none from the other ones. This is by. This is definitely the only family movie. Uh, and then Tootsie, another one that seemed very ahead of its time, pointing out female representation in films. It's great that the only award it won was the supporting actress. I think that's funny how female representation that's the only representation this movie got True. but i do think it's interesting that a movie that seems so ahead of its time this feels like it'd be from the 2000s 2010s like it felt like it was a very clever script a great all-star cast with a very interesting message and this came from the early 80s i might start Same. i might start looking at picking more movies from this area like the 80s i feel like the oscars really seem to know what they were picking here because i thought these were both great i would actually go as far to say andrea these two were both better than any of the nominations we had last year from the 1969 yeah i i would definitely second that like a lot of times when we pick these uh these years and like especially last <laughs> last year uh I tend to watch them looking at my phone, doing uh, schedules for work, but these I was just 100% like watching because they were they were good. That I was interested in them. Yeah. Like I had, like I would put both these above Funny Girl, which won last year. So yes. 
I was very high on both of these movies. So we can kind of compare them here quickly, Andrea. Both of them were nominated, but didn't win cinematography. What was your thoughts on the cinematography for both of these? They're okay. I mean, I thought E.T.'s was pretty, pretty good. Uh, Tootsie's was all right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what won that year, but I could definitely see something better winning over these two. Are you kidding me? E.T. cinematography <laughs> is incredible. I said it was good. It was definitely better than Tootsie. I know that for sure. Yeah, uh, Tootsie was fine. It was a yeah, well-shot film. But E.T. is incredible. For a kid's film, I'm, I'm, this might be a crazy thing to say, a wild statement here, but I think this is the best shot children's film, like a film meant for children. Like this was shot very professionally. Obviously Spielberg just really doesn't go half-assed for any movies, but it was beautifully shot. Some gorgeous silhouettes, some great iconic shots, the, the moon shot, the shed shot, all these great shots. Uh, it's gorgeous. It was a beautifully shot film. Uh, what was your thoughts of the editing for both? I thought editing was good. I don't have a lot of thoughts on it, but uh, I don't know. It was good for both of them, in my opinion. I don't have much to say. Yeah, more so the opposite, where e um, flipped as it was for cinematography, where for E.T., editing was pretty good. I have no complaints. Worthy nomination. I thought it was a great film. But Tootsie was great editing. I thought I thought a lot of the quick transitions of him being a man and a woman and like the I thought the editing was so smart and yeah. so much fun. No, no, I agree. It, it had to be fast because like he was doing two different characters. Yeah, a lot going good. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, man, I can't tell you. Obviously, this wasn't an editing thing, but we were just talking about the transition of the two. Uh, me and Andrew both had a pretty good laugh when he's trying to look after jessica lang's child and he's like trying to make it calm down and then he's like doing the sweet little woman voice because he's playing up the woman character. he's like oh <laughs> yeah. come on baby come on please go to sleep and the baby keeps crying crying he's like go to sleep like it goes straight to his dustin hoffman voice while in the body of Wait, the female character I think he said uh be good for uncle dorothy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he said <laughs> yeah. His man voice. yeah he says be good to uncle dorothy it is a man voice oh it's hilarious i was gonna bring that scene too i forgot yeah. about it yeah. yeah it's a good one and then at the end like dustin hoffman's in the corner like pass out and the baby's still awake it, it was great yeah very fun film so what was your thoughts on the sound for both because they were both nominated for that one in my opinion i think et takes the cake here it was so good like it winning all the technical awards makes complete sense i loved it yeah, I love how this film can be compared to Inception now, where they both walked yeah. away with all the technical wins. I like to think E.T. is like Inception. Yeah. <laughs> I like that so thought. So funny. But yeah, the sound in E.T. is really fun. Uh, it is used very well. Uh, good nominations for both. And the final one that they both have here is for original screenplay. Mm. So what was your thoughts on that? God, they were, in my opinion, I thought they were both good. Like, the... I don't know. Did one of them win this one? I can't remember. No. Wow. Wow. I really want to know what won now because both of these were fabulous. I could follow both of these storylines easily. Neither of them won. They're both nominated and they both lost to the eventual best picture winner, Gandhi. Oh, Gandhi won? Yeah. Wow. So 
Didn't have much of a chance here, but I agree with you here. They were both really great screenplays. I think I would give the edge to Tootsie. I just think that was a fantastic screenplay. It flowed so well. But I think for a family film, I thought the screenplay for E.T. was great. How they intentionally set up all these things. There's so many things that they set up with them flying on the bike. They did that halfway through the film during the Halloween moment to then make that end moment of them flying even more impactful. Obviously, the pointing the fingers and saying, ouch. Obviously, with the two of them so connecting together. And then eventually him giving up his connection to sacrifice himself. Like all these little things connected later in the movie. Like it's a very clever and fun screenplay. So I love them both. We can quickly discuss some of the acting here only on the Tootsie side. But what was your thoughts on Dustin Hoffman as the lead actor? He was great. He honestly changed characters so easily I love, like, he has such a range with his voice. His, vo his voice actually sounded like a woman's voice. Like, I would never have second-guessed that. But then, like, we talked about it even while we were watching it, how deep his actual voice is. It's crazy. Just his range. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah. I am really interested to see Gandhi. Just to see, like, obviously he's playing Gandhi. It's going to be incredible. But... I'm going to be intrigued to see how he beats Dustin Hoffman because I thought Hoffman was insane. I thought he was really good. Like you said, his range. He basically played two completely different characters and they worked so well. He really went into the roles for both characters. It was really great. So what was your thoughts on the supporting actress win for Jessica Lange? I thought she was really good. I was impressed with her. And her and Hoffman were together really well on set. Sorry, not on set. I guess, well, they worked really well together in the film. Uh, I'm with you here. I thought she was great. We didn't really talk too much about her just because Hoffman blows the film away. But she really is great. And I think that her performance of being a female in the film industry, and you can see that she wants to do what Tootsie is doing, but she's afraid. Like, she's afraid to yeah. do what Hoffman is doing. And I just think that's great how she's so amazed by Hoffman because she wants to do the things he's doing for females, but it would be at the loss of her career potentially. Yeah, and you can even see that because she's actually dating the director in the film for most of the film. And then she finally gets the courage towards the very end to break it off with him. And it's all because of D Dustin Hoffman's character that she finds that courage to do that. Yeah. And then the final nomination here, supporting actress for Terry Garr, who was nominated but lost to Lang. What was your thoughts on her? She was good. She just wasn't in it a lot. To me, like, I see why she was supporting. And I was a little surprised that she actually got nominated. Uh, but I like that she was a very overbearing girlfriend. I think that Dustin Hoffman got himself in that situation with her to begin with just because he wanted to try on her dress or whatever. And, uh, yeah, she was good. She was very overbearing. She played a very good, jealous girlfriend. Yeah, I thought she was very fun. I liked her. I'm glad that she got the nomination. I thought she was a very fun addition to the film. But uh, yeah, obviously, com compared to Lang, who just blew the film out of the water. Uh, easy choice between the two. But I did like her. 
And so finally, Andrea, we have our storyboards for the films. Ooh, I forgot about this. That's right. So for those that don't know, way back in the 1945 Oscars, this has been quite a few years now, but when we did the 1945, we realized one of the films was nominated for storyboard. And we didn't really know what that was and until I had to Google it. It's different. It was nominated for best story, which is a bit different than best screenplay, where it's not the actual script and the screenplay. It is just a quick summary of the film. It is like the best overall just story. And so we kind of took it as a quick two to three sentence elevator pitch. You're in an elevator with big old Warner Brothers or Disney and you're like, hey, let me quickly throw out the story for you. What do you think? That's what we're claiming as the storyboard. So, Andrea, here we are. We're in an elevator right now. What's your storyboard pitch for E.T.? All right. So I'm going to go with little boy finds alien. Little boy wants to get alien home, sends him home. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Mine will be like a cute rundown family meets upon an alien that needs to go home. Boom, evil government pops in for about a 10-minute cameo, and then the alien goes home. Perfect. Nailed it. And then for Tootsie, mine would be Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Nah, it's Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> wow, that's a hard one to beat. Jeez. I'm going to go with man has a hard time getting job as man. Man becomes woman. Man gets job but then change his mind. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I intentionally didn't go for Miss Doubtfire because I was wanting to give it to you. Oh, ooh. I was okay. thinking you were going to go like Miss Doubtfire, Hoffman edition. Oh, wow. Jeez, that would have been so much fun. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to, I was trying to feed you the, the low-hanging fruit. I should have kept it. Dang. All right. Well, that's everything for these two movies. Anything else you want to say about these two movies, Andrea? If you haven't seen either of them, honestly, go watch them. They were both great. Um, and Andrew, Andrew, everyone except for your family has seen ET. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, I guess we forgot to say what's our score for these movies. We give them a score out of five on Letterboxd. Or, well, I do. Andrew will sometimes write reviews for them if she remembers. But I definitely give her <laughs> scores for these movies. And so, Andrew, out of five... What would you give E.T.? So I'm teetering between two. It's either a 4.5 or a 5 star for me. Okay. I really love this film. Yeah, I'm teetering as well towards a 4 or a 4.5. I'm between That's those fair. two. I do really like it. Um, and then for me, Tootsie, Tootsie's a solid 4. I'm definitely 4 on that. Yeah, I'm probably going to go 4 on Tootsie as well. Yeah, so... Yeah, those are our rankings for the two movies. Uh, if this is any showing of the three to come, very excited. Ready for it. That's right. Let's go. All right, so that's everything on our end. We just watched Tootsie and E.T. And moving on next, we have Missing and The Verdict, which were our two predictions for the best of the year. So if they are better than this, then we're looking good. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be the first year that I'm going to guess wrong for what's going to actually end up winning. You guessed Funny Girl and Gaslight, that's true. I've guessed both of them, but I'm really feeling that I don't think Missing is going to pull it out. But I'm hoping 
<laughs> Let's see. I'm really crossing my fingers for the verdict. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that's everything on our end. Have a fantastic week, guys. Bye.